When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. From Pod World Headquarters, this is the Carolina Insider, presented by Crumley Roberts. Visit CrumleyRoberts.com today to find out how they can stand up for you. We're back. Time for another edition of the Carolina Insider. Jones and Adam here with you and it's been a while been a while since we've joined you so how apropos is it that we are back with you on this glorious glorious friday it's friday friday gotta get down on friday everybody's looking forward to the All month long, whole month of May, Crumley Roberts back with us as our presenting sponsor. They couldn't get enough from the awesome April, so it's time for a magical May with Crumley Roberts. Visit CrumleyRoberts.com today and find out how they can stand up for you. Adam, what's up? It's Friday. I'm ready. It is Friday. And whoa, what a show. What a... What a what a diverse show we have today. A lot of Tar Heel action going on. We'll try to get you or uh, get you up to date on all of that. A few football basketball notes in there as well. And then Adam, we're going double guest. Number 1. It is the audio of our interview from yesterday's video show with Jamie Ortega from Carolina's women's lacrosse team. They are undefeated, number one in the country, ACC champions for the fifth consecutive year. 
Jamie was named ACC Attacker of the Year. And they will find out this weekend on Sunday where they're what their path is in the NCAA tournament, although we fully expect them to be the number one overall seed and the favorite to win the title. We'll talk to Jamie about all of that. Adam had a bunch of fun talking to her. If you listen to the interview and think, Jamie Ortega seems pretty cool. Yeah, she is cool. I think she is cool. But here's a little behind the scenes. She was going to do the interview on Zoom. Yep. And there were some technical difficulties, and she said, hey, why don't I just come over there? I don't mind. So she did and came over and sat down with us and ended up giving us a, a good amount of time. So really appreciate all the effort she put into that and certainly looking forward to their NCAA tournament journey beginning soon. So if you've already, if you saw the video show yesterday, if you watched that interview, you can either listen to it again. We'd love that. Or no problem. We're giving you another one. And Adam, I think in our entire journey of the Carolina Insider, this may be one of the more unique interviews we've ever done. Full disclosure, there really isn't a Tariel tie to it at all. DC Glenn, member of Tag Team, joins us to talk Scoop There It Is. More importantly, to talk Whoop There It Is and clears up this confusion about why there was whoop, there it is, and whoop, there it is at the same time. And Adam, I I have to say, I did not anticipate what the answer to this was, but now I know and I feel better about it. And what a, uh, what a journey we go on during this interview. Yeah, you're going to want to settle in to hear from DC I'm gonna, Glenn. I'm going to give you a full disclosure. There is one answer that is 16 minutes long. That, right? Yes. To a a question that really probably wasn't that in-depth. But that's the way D.C. Glenn rolls, and that's the way we roll when we're with him. Yeah. And whoever thought we were going to get to talk to one of the members of Tag Team? It uh, it It is an interesting interview, and it is totally different than how I thought it was going to be going into the interview yes so i hope you enjoy it we really appreciate nikki carr yeah nikki hooked us up us in touch she hooked us up our our bff nikki carr helped us get that interview that's right and so i mean adam you name me another podcast that has the acc's Attacker of the Year from Women's Lacrosse and DC Glenn from Tag Team on the same episode. You name it right now. I don't believe there has ever been one ever. Vaya con Dios, Adam. <laughs> Adam's uh, got to go through the five-second challenge. Isaac will help me out with a question today to ask Adam. And we have a story time. I have... Adam, you have a list? I do. I have... Yeah, I have a couple of. I, maybe we'll do a dueling list today. <laughs> All right, it's been a while. Okay, so I think uh, I think we'll do a dueling list as well. So, what a show! And it's all brought to you by oh Adam, new uh, new sponsor for us, hmm. the Playing It Forward campaign. What is the Playing It Forward campaign? You may ask. 
It is Carolina's scholarship drive to honor Roy and Wanda Williams. You can say thank you to Coach and Wanda by supporting scholarships and continuing their legacy on campus. If you'd like to learn more, you can head to playingitforward.unc.edu. Playing it forward. So add that L in there. It's not paying it forward. It's playing it forward.unc.edu. Also brought to you by LS Tractor. LS Tractor will help make short work of those outside projects. Maybe you need to mow your grass early in the morning while there's a police raid happening next door. That's just a little preview of the uh, Point Break uh, Roadhouse Challenge that will be coming up in the next couple of weeks. From normal yard maintenance to larger projects as well, LS Tractor has the machine for you. Visit lstractorusa.com to see the difference. LS Tractor, what's it about for you? Adam, I think from the Tar Heel perspective, there is a lot going on. Um, Of course, football had NFL draft last week, and just like we thought, all five of those guys ended up getting drafted. The highest was Javante Williams very early in the second round to the Denver Broncos. Chaz Surratt and Deami Brown both go in the third round. Deami to the Washington football team. Surratt goes to the Minnesota Vikings. Also, Michael Carter chosen in the fourth round by the New York Jets. Daz Newsom in the sixth round to the Chicago Bears. So, good to see all those guys selected feel like they all have a chance I think at the places in which they were drafted certainly the higher they went the more likely it is that they're going to catch on with the team Um, but I think all of those guys have a good opportunity and uh, really hope to see them do well cool video on the video pod yesterday of Michael Carter getting the call that he had been selected just a nice reminder of what a big lifetime moment this is for every single player who gets selected Tar Heels and otherwise but that was a nice glimpse behind the curtain. Just nice reminder. Basketball-wise, Adam, not a ton of information, like official information out there. Coach Davis has been on a couple of other podcasts. I don't even, I mean, other podcasts? What? I have to assume they just, like, jumped him when he was coming out of school. Or they Center. told him it was this one, and so right. he just assumed it was, and then once he was on, he didn't want to be rude. Well, I wonder if they pieced together – like your words into questions that's like a ransom note like an audio ransom note yeah, that makes sense. and he thinks he was talking to Jones yeah, that's probably what it is um a couple of newsy items that came out of those interviews uh schedule wise coach Davis mentioning that Carolina is going to play UCLA I don't think we had said that I, I know you and I both knew that no big deal we knew that but um in Las Vegas that'll be part of the CBS Sports Classic uh, he also said that Carolina really wants to get in his, uh, as with him as the head coach, wants to get more of a presence in New York City. Um, the Tariels, I remember just growing up watching Carolina, played in Madison Square Garden a bunch and, you know, preseason NIT and they do all those things. And um, so Coach Davis said that he has an interest in trying to do that. I do think that is easier said than done simply because of the lack of flexibility now w- within the schedule because you're going Carolina is always going to play ACC Big 10 Challenge. Carolina is going to play for the foreseeable future in that CBS Sports Classic. 
the they already have, of course, ACC play, which is expanding. They're going to play in some kind of Thanksgiving time period tournament, which Coach Davis said, and again, something that we knew. I'm not sure if it – I think it, that was official, I think, that Carolina's playing the Mohegan Sun um, tournament. Uh, they played a couple years ago. You may remember they beat uh, maybe Richmond and then Louisville. Um, I think that was 2014-15 season. And so they'll be back up there with a good field. It's Purdue and Villanova and somebody else. Um, so good field for that. Uh, so with all of that said, it's just I think it's harder to find a logical place to play a game there. Certainly if the head coach wants it, he's going to figure out a, a way to do it. But um, So that is a couple of just schedule notes that he mentioned in, in these interviews. That's a definite nod to the Dean Smith era when Carolina no doubt. would play in New York a lot. And I think if your only frame of reference is the Roy Williams era, you may not remember that when Roy Williams first got here, it was a little jarring how nationally he wanted to recruit because he already had connections in places in the country where Carolina traditionally didn't recruit. That New York area has been really good to the Tar Heels and certainly no harm in trying to kind of reestablish a presence there. I guess you could potentially try to maybe like play an ACC Big Ten game there if you could get the other side to agree. Um, But you also have to remember when you hear Hubert Davis say, I'd like to play in New York every year, there could be some years the ACC tournament fills that condition because it is slated to go back to Brooklyn. So you could check that box uh, in a lot of different ways. Yeah, just to your point, I mean, Roy Williams' first two recruits were Quentin Thomas and Marvin Williams, both extreme West Coast uh, players because that was an area that Coach Williams was so successful during his time at Kansas. I think that lessened some as his tenure went on just because yeah, a couple guys that he had from the West Coast ended up uh, transferring out very few, some of the very few transfers uh, in the Roy Williams era, and it was – when you're North Carolina, it's easier to recruit on the East Coast than when you're at Kansas. I think at Kansas, it's probably a little bit easier to recruit on the West Coast. So, um, But yes, to your point uh, on all of that. Um, Hubert Davis kind of officially, unofficially, or unofficially, officially, I don't know which order to put it in, um, said that he fully believes Armando Baycott will be back. I, I don't think that's a huge surprise. Um, you know, Armando Baycott has, has entered his name into the NBA draft without hiring an agent so that he could receive feedback and go through some workouts. But Adam, I'm, I'm not, again, I don't think it's a huge surprise um, that that seems to be where that is trending towards, which is Armando Baycott returning. Which, I, I mean, he's been in Chapel Hill this whole time. Right. Um, we've seen him playing pickup with the returning players. I think that's been the expectation. He hasn't acted like someone who intends on going somewhere else, playing their basketball elsewhere in the fall. Um, But still a nice sort of semi-confirmation to have. Um, Of course, you're still going to hear it from Armando Baycott himself at some point, and that's when you can start making out your actual roster and figuring out who you're going to give your minutes to, which, of course, we are in charge of. And as we've said before, everybody, I mean, it makes total sense to do that. I mean, if that's if your ultimate goal is to play professionally, then talk to some professional people. And, of course, Hubert Davis has a bunch of contacts, too. And so, I mean, get as much information as you can get it. It just makes total sense. I think that dramatically changed Justin Jackson's oh, yeah. career arc. Yeah. And um, 
A couple other things that that he said, Adam. Again, none of this is necessarily breaking news, but I just think a little bit of some windows into um, the way that Coach Davis is thinking is he mentioned he wanted to play two point guards or that he likes having two point guards and mentioned same duo that Roy Williams often referenced as far as the Carolina, and that's Joel Berry and, and Marcus Page playing together, and he liked having guys uh, that could both handle the ball. We saw that some with Caleb Love and R.J. Davis. I think that duo was more effective later in the year playing together compared to early in the year. Not a big surprise there, but I, I, I think you'll see those two together a fair amount if Coach Davis continues to feel that's the way to go. And he talked more about the desire to open the floor and spacing and some big guys who could really open things up. All stuff that he has said before um, that seems to be a, a very uh, staunch belief of his in the way that he wants to go. I think it's going to be so interesting to see this early part of the year. What is it that he wants? Like, you know, when, when you watch summer games or something in the past, you could see guys doing things and you could think, oh, Roy Williams is going to love that. But you don't really know what Hubert Davis is going to love. It sounds like he makes it when players make shots. So that would be nice to see. Um, but it, the more he talks and the things he talks about, the more I see – rj davis being someone he's going to like yeah absolutely and he's you know talked some about those two transfers um and what he how he sees them fitting in and um he continues to emphasize skill and shooting in, in his words and in his actions so we will see um from the Olympic sports side of things, Adam, woo, it is like a tidal wave right now of both action and success for Carolina. So field hockey, the 12th consecutive year they're in the national semifinals. They are playing today, Friday, uh, depending on when you're listening, that it could even be over. They are uh, playing at 1 o'clock against Iowa. That is in Chapel Hill because Karen Shelton Stadium is the best field hockey facility in the country. And so um, they are hosting the national semifinals and championship game. Tariels are the number one overall seed. It has not been easy for them, though, in the spring. Um, they've been challenged heavily but have answered every call. Um, they are going for their third consecutive national title and will face a good Iowa team in the national semifinal. Um, both soccer's men's soccer competed last night. So we don't know the result of that as we are recording, uh, but they face Stanford in the round of 16. The women have already advanced to the round of eight with a hard fought one, nothing win over Washington earlier in the week. Of course, these are all fall sports that are having their championships competed for in the spring due to the NCAA choice with COVID from the fall. Then, Adam, the both tennises into the NCAA tournament, no big surprise there. Women undefeated, number one in the country. They are the number one overall seed. There will be, there will be challenges, though, for that team. I mean, Texas is really, really good. They're the number two seed. Carolina has faced them and defeated them, but it was a 4-3 uh, win, so they are really, really good. Um, there are other Georgia's really, really good. Carolina did beat them earlier in the year, but it was a very tight match. So there's some other really good teams. Carolina, though, number one seed, certainly the favorite. The men are the number six overall seed. You know, they didn't have 
two of their better players, including our boy, William Blumberg. I'm William Blumberg. See you later, Big Grits. In the ACC tournament final that they lost to Virginia. Um, I think we mentioned that on, on a previous pod. So they certainly are, are one of the teams in the mix uh, to go far in that event. They're the number six overall seed. Both of those teams start competing this weekend. And then both the lacrosses. Uh, we're ACC champions. The women, number one, undefeated, as we talked about. Uh, Jamie Ortega coming up. Th- they will be the number one overall seed when that is announced coming up on Sunday. The men have a chance to be the number one overall seed as well. They're number one in the RPI, number two in the national polls, co-champions of the ACC, which is the best lacrosse conference. They were co-champs with Duke um, for – for the the conference title because they didn't have a conference tournament. They just elected to take the regular season champion was the champion this year. So they have a chance to be number one overall seed. If they're not number one, they'll be top two or three and will certainly be one of the teams that have a good chance uh, to go all the way. It's kind of amazing that what we thought might happen in the summer and fall might come to fruition has, which is almost every single Carolina spring sports team being in national contention in the month of May in what could be just a banner month of May for Carolina Athletics. So a lot going on. Keep your eyes and ears open for all of those because there's going to be a bunch of action over the next uh, several weeks with those teams as they compete, hopefully, for some national titles. And like I mean, every team that I just mentioned has a chance to, to win its tournament. So we'll be exciting to see. Adam, any other Tar Heel news before we get to our interviews? No. Okay. A reminder that we are brought to you in part by... Pinehurst. More than just Donald Ross's masterpiece number two, there's Gil Hance's stunning redesign of number four. There's the cradle, the fun short course. You can unwind at the stylish North and South Bar with its arrays of bourbons, whiskeys, and scotches, or stop in to the Pinehurst Brewing Company for craft beers and classic North Carolina barbecue. There's never been more to discover at the cradle of American golf than right now, so go to pinehurst.com and plan your visit. Okay. What a what an interview duo we have. We're going to go to Jamie Ortega, then from Jamie to D.C. Glenn of Tag Team, of course. And then we'll come out of that. We have five-second challenge, dueling lists, all coming up on the Carolina Insider. It is very difficult to talk with Jamie Ortega Mm. on a day she has not won something. Yeah. We didn't achieve that today because she has already won something today. She's the newly named ACC Attacker of the Year. Jamie, congratulations. Thank Let me you. just say, that's a really cool sounding award to get too. <laughs> like Attacker of the Year. I like that. That's, that's an honor. I don't, just the name of it by itself. Do, do you, have you reached the point where you're having to decide like which of these team and individual honors that I have gotten are actually meaningful to me? <laughs> I mean, they're all meaningful. I was definitely an honor this morning hearing about it. I think what was even more cool is that Jenny won Coach of the Year, Allie won Midfielder of the Year, and Taylor won Defender of the Year, Defense of the Year. Um, I think that was sick, like, to have kind of like a sweep of all of us. I mean, they're so, like, deserving of it. I couldn't really imagine anyone else getting the awards. And, I mean, I know that they can definitely say this, but, like, they deserved it. And, like, I hope that they're really proud of themselves because, like, I'm really proud of them. But... You know, at the end of the day, this is a team award. This is because of, like, our team. Like, I won this award because of them. So, like, any awards I get or accolades, it's always because of them. Like, they make me better. You know, they help me shine, and they really, like, help me throughout the game. So. 
And that team is incredibly good. If you have not been following Carolina's women's lacrosse team, what are you doing? Undefeated, <laughs> number one in the country, really only been challenged a couple of times this season. Jimmy, what has allowed this team to be so dominant all year long? Yeah, I just think it's our chemistry, our trust within one another. Um, we're all family on the team. We love each other. We trust each other, and that's the biggest thing. If you don't have chemistry, like, you're not going to succeed. And on the field, I trust anyone with the ball. I trust anyone, whether on defense, on the draw circle, and net next to me on the offense, I trust them. And I know that they trust me, and I think that's the biggest thing. And, you know, our team culture is just amazing. It's just like a family, and I love it, and I think that we just have fun. That's the biggest thing. If we're not having fun, we don't play well. And if you're having fun, like what, what can go wrong? Really nothing. So I think that's like the biggest thing this year and just being grateful every day we practice, see each other, be on campus. Cause I was shocked we even got this far. It's kind of weird that like we're ready in tournament and uh, it's kind of like a dream. Like I thought like we wouldn't make it this far. So I'm really happy that we got these days and even today we have practice and it's kind of like be grateful for being together, being here in Chapel Hill. How have you learned to manage, people don't just expect you to win, they expect you to dominate. And if you just win and it's like 10 to five, they're like, well, that was good, but I mean, you're really better than that. How do you manage that? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people expect us to either have running clock or hit like the 20 mark. I mean. That's never really our plan. Obviously, it's nice. It's nice to have running clock. Who wouldn't want it? But I think a lot of the times it's more of like, okay, let's try and execute this, this, and this. Let's try and score in every position. Let's try and have a turnover on defense. Like, it's little things that we think like that and that type of mindset that when we're out there, like the energy is contagious. Um, everyone just wants to play their best and it's kind of like it's contagious when you see someone else doing well, like you want to do well as well. And then Sometimes it just takes off and, you know, we also have really high standards of ourselves and we haven't had a perfect game yet. We still have so much potential. So I think that, you know, like we expect to have good games and I think that going forward, you know, every team wants to beat us, but it's always nice if we do a running clock or, you know, beat teams by that. But also like if it's close, it's close and that's because the other team is really good and we played our best that we could against them. So, I don't know if you know, when you score, I know Jamie knows this, but I don't know if you know this. When you score in women's cross, you got to like drop the stick immediately because mm -hmm. they've got to go measure, measure the net, right? Measure the net on the stick, essentially. How yeah. awesome is that? Like, I feel like that's a pretty swaggy move, right? Like you score, and by the way, Jamie scored more than any Tar Heel, more goals than any Tar Heel in the history of Carolina women's cross. When you drop the stick, like you, do you have like a little swaggy way to do it? I feel like you can do that with some attitude. <laughs> So I don't really think of it, honestly, in the moment. It's like, oh, I scored. And then it's like, I point to someone. And I'm like, oh, that's because of you. You passed me the ball or something like that. Like in the healing moment, I just kind of like throw it away or kind of get it out of my way so I can go like hug my teammates. I don't, I'm not like a big thrower. Like I don't like throw it 10 feet in the air or like, I don't know, run with it like 10 yards and sell it. Like, I don't know. Like if anything, it's like in the way. And I'm like, I have to throw it. I mean, it's definitely cool. Like a lot of people always ask like, why do you do it this way, this way? And I'm like, I don't know. Sometimes I honestly like black out in the moment. And I'm like, I don't even know what I did to celebrate. I just like wanted to go hug my teammates. <laughs> That's what I do when we finish a show. I yeah, just rip take the mic off and off, just like drop yeah, it and off. And then you're done. And then, then I just strut, then I strut around the set. Um, now we did some intensive research yep. to get ready for this interview. Okay. And we have a few really important questions. And I want to specifically ask you about something that one of my daughters also does that I think you do that I okay. don't understand. Is it true that when you're going to watch a movie or a TV show, 
You look up the ending in advance so that you'll know what's going to happen. And if so, why do you do that? So I don't like surprises. <laughs> and I get very anxious in movies, especially like thriller, horror right. movies. So I like to know what happens. I can still enjoy the movie, but like I'll look up like the plot of what happens. So I'm like, okay, I'm like here in the movie. I know what will happen next. I just want to make sure like so-and-so doesn't die or like something like that. So-and-so survives. Put yourself so, at ease. You just yeah, want to be Yeah, I get very one. anxious during movies. So like it's nice knowing and like my friends will take my phone away during movies and like throw it around, throw it off the couch and stuff and like hide it. And I'm like, like I need to know. Like I've been trying to get better, but it's just something I can't break. Just not yet. Just not, not yet. yet. Yeah. She's working on it. Mm -hmm. James, Bruce Willis is dead. What? Jamie already knows. I already know. <laughs> so I have watched a lot of women's lacrosse this year, and I swear you get like knocked down more than anybody else. I mean, and it's because you're so aggressive and you're fast and you're in there. Do, do you ever get frustrated with that or do you just kind of understand that's part of the game? Because it um, feels like they are crushing you. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's frustrating, but then, I mean, lacrosse is a physical game. I feel sure. like a lot of people don't really like think that, but Sometimes I'm just happy I don't really get hurt. I mean, like, the one time I did kind of get hurt, but thankfully, like, it was nothing too serious, and here I am now. But, I mean, it's just the game. Like, people are going to try and stop you and do whatever they want to get in your way of not letting me score. So I kind of just have to take it and kind of, like, at least have an attitude. Of, instead of being frustrated, just be like, okay, like, I'm fine. Like, I'll get up. Like, whatever the next play. I try not to, like, make it, like, get, get to my head or anything like that. Now, you are a big coffee aficionado, true? Mm -hmm. Are you in it for the actual coffee or for the experience? Definitely both. Like, <laughs> I think at this point now, I like crave it every day. Like, mm. I look forward to the mm -hmm. next cup of coffee that I have. I'm like, oh, I can go to bed, wake up and have coffee tomorrow. <laughs> like, it's a great, great thing. Um, but I love all, everything about it. Like, it really like starts my day once I have my cup of coffee. Yeah, you've, you've turned the corner when you're going to bed yeah, thinking, thinking about, about the yeah. coffee that you're going to have the next morning. You've turned the corner yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Where's the best spot in Chapel Hill? Um, I'm a big Starbucks girl for okay. sure, but I also go to Summit Coffee, which is like the, um, it's like a new little startup. It's right near like Kechula. I love like small businesses kind of like supporting them. I actually went this morning to them. So it's nice. I like like how the environment's inside, like good coffee. I mean, I'm not really too picky, but like Starbucks is right down the road and I have a lot of gift cards, so <laughs> Don't forget free coffee's good. Dunkin' Donuts, proud sponsor of the <laughs> cards. Um, okay, this is from Emma and Katie. Oh God. They specifically okay. wanted us to ask, who are you most like on the team and who are you least like on the team? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Least like... Probably Carolyn Wakefield. Okay. Big, she's not a coffee drinker. <laughs> Never really. wants to know the end of the movies. <laughs> We're just like definitely, definitely different personalities for okay. sure. Hmm. Most like, hmm, this is tough. I know, it puts you on the spot. I'm trying to think. Because we've got you described as easygoing, that you never get angry, very low key. Maybe, maybe Maddie Hoffer. Okay. Maybe it's just a Long Island thing. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, I think we're very similar in a lot of things, in a lot of ways. I would say. All right. So the Tar Heels are going to mm -hmm. find out who they play coming up. This is May 9th, I believe, mm -hmm. is the, yeah. the date when the tournament will be announced. Carolina is certainly not uh, expected to be anything other than the number one overall seed. Tar Heels have been number one all season long and undefeated. 
Jamie, what's important now over these next couple of weeks for you guys to, to ultimately achieve what I know is your number one goal? Um, I think just still building up that chemistry. We can work on it every day. Um, I think especially since school's ending soon, I think like kind of like, you know, going to play pickleball, going to play spike ball, having barbecues together. I think those little things are going to be really important because, you know, at the end of the day, it's the memories you share with one another. And that correlates to on the field as well. I don't think, you know, if you're not close with your teammates, you're not going to do well on the field. And I think that's one of the biggest thing. And then just focusing on the little details in practice, whether it's let's win all these draws if we scrimmage, let's score on 50% of our shots in practice, like little goals like that, I think will definitely build in the way. And even like just practicing scenarios, whether it's down by two goals with a minute left or something like that, just kind of putting us in the mindset of competition is going to be harder. You know, we have to step up when, you know, things don't go our way. We have done hundreds of interviews on the Carolina Insider podcast. That's true. But I have to say, I don't know that I've ever been as excited for one as today. I absolutely agree. With Cecil Glenn, DC Glenn, the brain supreme of tag team, joining us on the Carolina Insider. DC Glenn, thank you so much for being with us. Hey, man, I'm happy to be here. Especially because you said my whole name like that. That's what I'm talking about. Was that the okay. worst rendition of your whole name that you've ever hey, heard? Hey, man, I've heard way worse. Yeah. You actually did. That actually used to be my name. My name used to be Cecil Glenn Cheesecakes from Mix-A-Lot DC, The Brain Supreme. Whoa. When I was young and stupid because <laughs> just a series of just dumb events came together and I like, this is going to be my rap name. And that was just way too long. And... I changed it and now it's just DC the Brain Supreme. But before we get started, gotta get something off my chest. Sprinkle! <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, I can already tell this is gonna be incredible. Okay, so we wanna talk to DC Glenn about a couple different things. One, of course, the scoop, there it is, commercial. You remember we talked to Nikki Carr uh, a couple of weeks ago. Nikki is the mm -hmm. one who helped facilitate us talking to DC Glenn today. But I also just wanna talk about being a member of tag team and dominating the hip hop game and uh, just everything to talk about. So let's start there. Like ha tell us a little bit about the journey of your career and, and how things came to be. Well, the fast version is I was born in Chicago, Illinois, moved to Denver when I was four years old and had a great childhood and then went to a school called Manual High School, public school, and I met Steve Gibson and me and him sat next to each other because his last name's Gibson. My na last name is Glenn, AKA Steve Rowland. And um, I was already into music, but I'd had a new found love for it because Steve had a band and they used to play in the quad at lunchtime. And I was like, I'm going to be in that band. And I heard a choir that you know, work down the hall from where I was working in the tardy office. And I was like, I am going to be in that choir. And then uh, Steve and some of his friends DJed a high school party we had, the first one I had been to. And I was like, I am going to be a DJ. And I pursued all three, became very masterful in all, and went to college at Sac State University in Sacramento, DJed all the fraternity parties. Um, I had stopped singing, but I started rapping because our band disbanded and it was three of us left, me, Steve Rowland and Otis P, but Otis P went to the army. So it was just me and Steve, we became tag team. And then instead of listening in class, I would write lyrics. I stole a rhyme dictionary from the library. Shh. Oh, 
but right and i sat in class all day every day and wrote lyrics and i've got 15 rhyme books from way back in the day to prove it and i got better at rapping and then my boy johnny z who used to produce into deep who made the song back to the hotel he bought a four track he was my college friend we stayed in the same dorm we met the freshman year he bought a four track task and recorder he didn't know how to use it. I was like, I'll learn how to use it. And my boy had an 808 and I made a bunch of beats, made a bunch of songs, figured out how to do it, hit pots and pans, played little flutes, beatbox, whatever I had to do to make a song. I made a song and got good at it, sent it to tape to Steve in Denver. He thought I was in a devil worse because he never heard anything like that. <laughs> but he understood and he got himself a four track. Then he started making songs. We're making songs now. And then he moves to Atlanta to go to the Art Institute. Then I move, I come down to Atlanta, visit him for spring break, my senior year at college. And I knew right then and there I was moving to Atlanta. So I went back to Sacramento, packed up, came right back down to Atlanta and started working at this nightclub called Magic City when I had a job at CNN, but Magic City is an adult entertainment nightclub. So therefore, as a young man, I was floored. And I was like, <laughs> I can do this for the summer until I have to go to CNN. And it ended up being a career. And you know, as time goes on, we're being exposed to different types of music, but we're hip hop. But then it's like, we're in the South, so you have to play bass music in the South. And I knew for us to be successful and get out of the Southeast, we would have to make an up-tempo record. And I went to Steve and I was like, hey man, we gotta make bass music, man. He's like, man, I don't know how to make that music. I was like, all you gotta do is think of Planet Rock and Egyptian Lover. Just make it up-tempo, do it your way. He did it his way, I had my 15 rhyme books. I tried to pick a song and match it with it, but there was another song I was working on called Woomp There It Is, which is a party saying like, throw your hands in the air, wave them like you just don't care. And we made the song and everybody thinks that Woomp There It Is was this massive rocket science Manhattan project where we had whiteboards and theorems and geometry and all <laughs> kinds of different formulas to make the perfect record when it was just a song about us partying on a Friday night. And I made, we made the song, I go to work pop in a cassette tape. And to this day, that's the biggest response on any record I've ever had. And because of my hubris, I'm like, well, it's supposed to be like that because any record I make and pop into a tape is going to be the biggest response I've ever had. <laughs> right? So I played it for a little while and went on to the next record and the next and the next. And one of the girls was like, hey, man, why don't you play Woomp There It Is again? I was like, all right. Play it again. And then same thing happened. Big response. But this time, one of my record reps from Columbia Records named Alan Cole was like, what is that record? I was like, that's me. <laughs> and he was like, give me that record. And I was like, all right, man, here, take a, take a cassette. He's like, I'm sending this to New York. I was like, cool. New York calls me Columbia Records, big, giant, major record label. And I'm like, whoa, they're like, we love your record. You know, we just, we want to nurture you and we want to do this and we want to do that. And I'm like, I ain't got time for that. I got a hit record. <laughs> so I go to all the major labels. I try to get us a record deal and everybody's just playing with me. And I get discouraged and I almost give up. But a friend of mine that worked at another major label, uh, Mercury Records, Lisa McCall, told me, hey, you need to call Al Bell. Al Bell used to own Stax Records, which is one of the original three sole uh, record companies, Stax Records, Philly International, and Motown. And he had put out a record the year before called Daisy Dukes by Deuce, and it went gold. And I was like, wait a minute, he knows how to work these type of records. Because that's why the majors didn't want to touch it because they didn't know how to work it. And I called him and took him about a week and a half to call me back. And shockingly, he called me and he was like, what's up, brother? And I was like, hey, Mr. Bell, we got a hit record. 
And I know it's a hit record because I've tested it. Everybody loves it. They're getting ready to play here and there and there. And moms and dads loves it. And you need to sign us. And he was like, okay. And I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> He's like, okay. And I'm like, but you haven't even heard it, Mr. Bell. And he was like, to, the, to this day, I'll never forget these words. He said, brother, I don't have to hear it. I hear it in your spirit. Let's agree to agree. And I was like, word. And I gave my two weeks at Magic City, signed a messed up record contract, and in a month and a half, we were platinum. So, so ask the question. <laughs> so what what happens? What happens when you have a platinum record? What like what happens next? Well, because I am who I am and worked in the clubs, I've always been popular. I was popular in high school, popular. So I didn't need the attention. And I watched people rise and fall. I watched how artists would have a hit record. They come in the club and they treat everybody like crap and be all prima donna-ish. And then same with athletes, same with everybody. And then I would watch their demise and I would watch people revel in their demise. And I saw how it basically killed some of them because they just couldn't handle the rejection. And I knew that I would never be like that. And, you know, I had parents that loved me. And I remember my father told me, I'm proud of you. Do your thing. You got a hit record. You know, I see all my friends are calling me, talking about you. And I'm like, I'm proud. But let me tell you something. When it fades, be mindful of your actions he was, I don't know, he was Yoda's cousin or something. <laughs> Be mindful of your actions, young Padawan, because don't chase the fame. And see, that's what happens to people. Because he watched that with his friends in high school and college. They all had Cadillacs. They all were hustling. They all were big, big in college. But my father went to, you know, he stayed in school, became an educator, got his doctorate. And he got all his stuff on the back end as opposed to the front end. And then all his friends are worse off later and I'd rather be worse off early than worse off later. So it changed me and it never, I never chased it. And I was always the same and people always treated me the same. I've always been accessible. Half the, most of the time, people don't even know I do that song, which is the beauty of it, right? And even with this Geico commercial, people still don't know it's me because we're all wearing masks. So I get to live my life. I get to stay anonymous. I get to be a star when I want to be. But back to your question, how was that? It was fine, it was beautiful. But we were working. We were, you know, next thing you know, we're on Arsenio. We're on all the shows. We're traveling the world. We're singing that song. We're putting on shows. We're making money. It's all good. And record company goes bankrupt. And then I have to make a choice. And I'm like, well, it's time to fight because we haven't gotten the money we're supposed to get. But, you know, I'm thinking my money is long money when it's short money. And a record company has long, long money. So... All a record company does is they bleed you. The lawyers bleed you. Everybody bleeds you till you don't have no more money. Then it's over. And I had to go back to work. But that wasn't a problem because, you know, I never look at the glass half empty. I look at it half full. Right. So what I did is I was like, I'm going to have my day in court, but we're going to do it smarter. So I basically became a paralegal and just went and found all the discovery, kept all the records, just have everything nice and neat, organized. And 20 years later, I had my day in court. And when I went to the lawyers and gave them a big box of, of documents, they came up with six or seven different ways for us to prevail. Now, prevailing doesn't mean you win and you win millions of dollars. You know, this was a war. 
And sometimes in war, when you come home, you're missing a leg, you're missing an arm, you got an eye patch. So we prevailed, but it was at a cost. But at least now you can make your own choice. You can do your own thing. You're free and you can move forward. And the whole time I've been preparing because I became like a licensed commodities broker, uh, learned what finance was all about. I started working on voiceover. So now I do animation, commercial, promo. Um, I learned SEO. So I build websites and I know how to, you know, work with Google to where people can find me. And I've just come along and really gotten better at my craft and all my little jack of all trades, master of none, because they say that. But if you live long enough, some of those trades become masterful and they all become one big nuclear power plant that fuels your dreams and desires. And that is how I live my life. I, I play offense. You know, if, if, if it's funny if you, you know, if Jordan shoots 20 shots or LeBron shoots 20 shots and misses 19, does he quit? Nah, he'll shoot 40, even if he shoots 40 more, but then he'll, he'll hit one, he'll hit two, then he hasn't missed a shot for three years, right? That's how it works. <laughs> It can be no quit pro quo. I do this, therefore this is supposed to happen. You just have to play offense and keep shooting. And that's what I do. And that's what I've done. And, you know, I, it's not easy. I've been, um, I've been depressed because after the lawsuit, you know, being 20 years of legal battles, I laid in the bed and was depressed for a month. But I, but I look back on, I wasn't depressed in 2017. I was just saying, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Because I retired from DJing because I didn't want to be a 50-year-old DJ. And um, I got a call for a $10,000 voiceover job. I was like, that's what I'm going to do, right? And just got better and better and better at it. Then I uh, got with an agency and started booking People Store Agency in Atlanta. And then I um, was in a meeting up there. And the owner comes in and she's like, I like your face. Put him on camera. <laughs> like, huh? It's like, that never happens, DC. You're going to start putting you in commercials and TV shows. And I'm like, acting? Like, yeah. And everybody has their dream of acting where you're the actor and you get the Academy Award and you walk up and you thank everybody, but you don't really think that's going to happen. You think it's going to happen, but you never do anything to pull the trigger to make it happen. Well, now I fell in my lap. And once I went to my first acting classes, I got hooked. And just grousing class every single day, sometimes two, three times a day, training for voiceover, training for acting. And then the pandemic hit. And right before the pandemic hit, I booked my first national commercial with Pizza Hut. Hmm. And I could have been mad that I lost that $60,000, $70,000, but I wasn't. I was happy because I booked and all that hard work paid off, right? And that was a seed I had planted back in, you know, what, 2010, you know, and then had the thought of planting back in 1996 when I'm in the bowels of Disney teaching Mickey and Minnie Mouse how to rap. <laughs> you see how things come full circle? You don't know when those seeds are gonna grow, right? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sitting there with the voices, their, their husband and wife team, Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse, and I'm teaching them how to rap. And I'm asking them questions about animation and how hard it is and all that. And I became hooked, but I never pulled, I didn't pull the trigger till 10 years later, right? And then I was like, this is what I'm gonna do. And, you know, now, you know, fast forward, 2020 has been one of the best years of my life because what the pandemic did is it forced everybody to stop and say, what are you going to do? Because we are all in the Serengeti 
You know what I mean? It's like, what are you going to do, predator or prey, right? Am I going to be an impala that gets eaten by a lion? Or am I going to be the lion that eats five impalas? It's your choice, right? And I decided to reinvent myself. And I went back and to the beginning because I record every class I take. And I reinvented myself by listening to my gut-wrenching self 10 years ago talk, which was just mm. horrific. And then I listened to my first voiceover, which was cringeworthy. And it's already hard enough to listen to your own voice, right? Right. <laughs> We've all been through that, right? So now I'm listening to my voice, ready to shed a tear. But then I'm inspired because I'm like, wait a minute. Back then I thought it was the teachers because I thought I could whoop there it is my way through anything. But I was wrong. <laughs> I'm DC the brain supreme. I could do anything, but I was wrong, right? And now because I'm an actor and a voice artist, I understood the language. I didn't know the language back then. And I said, I'm gonna do this first voiceover that I'm just cringing to and hair is just standing up on my arms. Let me do this over. And when I did it, it was pure angelic. I had finally had mastery over my voice. And I started booking instantly. Then, and then I went through all, I went through 42 hour sessions in March when everybody thought that zombies were gonna start coming out and eating everybody, right? Because don't, don't act like you didn't think that when the pandemic first started. <laughs> I want you on my side if they do. I know that for a fact. <laughs> everybody thought that, because it's like how every movie starts, right? Every, every pandemic movie starts like this, like chaos and, oh my God, here come the zombies. And it's like, you really thought that for a second. Hey. But I chose to reinvent myself and I did and I started booking. And now I'll get a call from my acting coach. Hey, we got a, I got a movie I'm casting for, I want you in. Boom, I'm shooting my first movie ever in Nebraska, right? And then next thing you know, I'll get another call. I'm shooting my next movie in you know, the middle of Georgia. Then I'm getting more book, more voiceover. Then I get called from Tyler Perry. I book a Tyler Perry show and then you know, 2020 is a spectacular year. And then in September, you know, um, I get a call from my agent and they're like, you booked a Geico commercial. And I was like, don't play with me. I didn't even audition for a Geico commercial. It's like DC booked a Geico commercial. That's what happened is because I know SEO, I started that SEO journey because in 2011, everybody thought Barack Obama was in our video uh, there it is video. So I got reporters from the New York Times and everybody calling me, but I'm like, how'd y'all find me? It's like, we couldn't, but we kept on. They found me, but I knew that was a problem because I missed out on money because we did press for a whole week and I had nothing to show for it. So I decided that would never happen again. And I started SEO, search engine optimization. And I also started building websites and I learned and I got good at it. And 10 years ago, you type in tag team, it's all wrestling. You type in tag team today, it's all tag team, right? And I have a number on the website that is to the tag team phone. And I'm like, I didn't even audition for this. But what happened is Geico called the tag team phone. I didn't answer because I don't answer that dang phone. Right? That phone be uncharged for most of the time. <laughs> It'd be in the corner somewhere gathering dust, right? That's the tag team phone. Over. Somebody answer, yeah, yeah. Somebody else answers the tag like, team get, phone. It's like 10, 10 messages on. I'm like, oh my God, I gotta stop, I gotta get better, DC. And then they couldn't find they couldn't call me. And then they went to my IMDB and found my agent's number and they called my agent and that's why my agent called me and because I left good breadcrumbs and learned SEO, 
all the things and all the seeds that I laid in my past came to bear fruit today. And we made the deal. It's the most lucrative deal I've ever made. And now I've bought joy to the world because of this commercial. And I, everybody's like, were you excited? And I'm like, eh. I was excited for the first two days, but then I knew I had work to do because usually when you do a Geico commercial, like salt and pepper in 2014, you're on tour and they were on tour till the pandemic hit. So I know we're not going to do shows. Then I'm like, what? I'm not going to sit back and be happy. I got a Geico commercial. I'm going to take these lemons and I'm going to make me a lemonade corporation and I'm going to franchise to sell it and then make me $14 billion. Right. That's my thinking. That's my mindset. So I said, I got to get a publicist. I'm going to blow up acting and voiceover. And then, all of a sudden, every publicist is like, well, we don't kind of know what to do. You know, it's a pandemic. Usually we do a junket, you fly here and we do the round robin on press. And I'm like, you know what? Y'all depressing me, bye. But I appreciate it. And I said, you know what? Every time I get in a pickle or hit a wall, I join an organization. And I really wanted to know what a publicist does. I knew what they did because we used them before, but I want to be my own publicist. So I joined um an organization because whenever i get stuck i join an organization because organizations are full of professionals that have been doing it in their profession for 10 20 30 40 years so they can actually you can actually have a conversation with them and they give you the whole game and that's what happened because i joined the public relations society of america two days later i'm on a podcast with the ceo of a big pr firm and i'm doing my due diligence i got a press release because i'm gonna drop this press release and i'm gonna be famous because I'm already famous, but I don't think like that. So I, I'm like, I need validation that this press release works because everybody's always complaining that press releases don't work, but it's like, there's a way you have to do it. So I asked the question on the Zoom. I'm like, are press releases relevant? She's like, well, what's it for? And I'm like, well, I'm kind of featured in this Geico commercial called Scoop, there it is. And I'm looking at the chat and it's like, wait a minute, is that? Oh my God, I love that commercial. My dog loves that commercial. I love the sprinkles part. Man, this you, is this really you? And the, the, the chat is blowing up, right? And I'm like, uh-oh. And the moderator is looking. She's like, we're gonna, we'd like to welcome DC to the organization. We're going to talk to you about this Geico commercial afterward. But back to your question. That's a good question. Is it relevant? She's like, heck yeah, it is. Because the last year has been doom and gloom, right? It's all been COVID. Everything has been COVID. I've gotten voiceover work. You know what I mean? We're all in this together. Right. I've got, I've got tons of work because of that when that that same frame. So what happened was she was like, it's relevant because you guys got a good story and everybody likes when there it is and everybody loves this commercial and that press release is going to be successful. And I dropped that press release three days before the Super Bowl. And not only did she tell me that the press release is relevant, she was like, you want to get in front of the the um Journalists, you go here. You want to get in front of all the podcasts, you go to this site. You want to get in front of radio stations, you go here. You want to get in front of talk shows, you go here. Make sure your pitches are perfect. Make sure your things this, da 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 And she gave me the game in 10 minutes because I didn't give up, thought differently, and joined the organization, which is the reason we're all talking, right? Because I've been telling Nikki Carr, you got to make your own thing. Your agent's not going to do nothing for you. Nobody's going to do anything for you. You have to do it yourself. You have to take it upon yourself to keep to, 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 to put yourself out there. And that's what I do. And I dropped that press release on a Wednesday and Friday. I'm on Dan Patrick's show 
And they didn't take no for an answer because I tried. I was like, man, can we do it next week? No, we want to do it for the Super Bowl and you're going to be on in the morning. I was like, cool. <laughs> and that did more for us because of that press release. Then two weeks later, we're on Tamron Hall. Now I'm working on Ellen, Good Morning America. I'm working on all these TV shows. So now I can impose my will, create my own narrative and put it out in the universe. And you would not think that that would be the story of a Geico commercial. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I know I've, I I know, but it but it's about thinking differently because now it's about preparation. You know, the opportunities are coming my way. So it's my fault if I'm not prepared for them. So that's what I spend my days doing, preparing for all the scenarios that I throw out there. So just in case one of them come back, then I'm ready and all you need is one. I proved that with Womp, there it is. It's 20 years, 28 years later. And what are we talking about? Womp, there it is. Right. So, you know, I need to build me three or four more pension plans and I'm good. <laughs> now, now, Geico's the first one. <laughs> now, DC, you have raised a few questions with that response. But first of all, just to clarify, Barack Obama is not in the whoop. There it is. Video. Is, is that not correct? In the video, right. Like Jeannie Most did a whole segment. When Jeannie Most does a whole segment, you know, it's big. OK. Right? She did it on CNN. It was just like, wow. So he and is, it's crazy, man. Now, what exactly? We have discussed this on the pod before because we are very curious about this. What is the relationship between whoop, there it is, and woot, there it is? None. So, well, so how, how is that possible? How did they come out at the same time? Because there's woot, there right, it is, which it. was 95 right. South, right? Think about it. There was there was another record in Atlanta called uh, "Womp There It Is" by the A Town Players. There was there was eight "Womp There It Is" records. What what I say "Womp There It Was"? "Womp There It Is" was a party saying like "Throw your hands in the air, wave them like you just don't care." So if there's a new hot party saying in the clubs, everybody's gonna try to make a song about it. It happens mm -hmm. to this day. So it was just a massive coincidence, right? And I've got paperwork to prove that we did it before anybody, right? So I don't even really. I don't even really talk about it. Like I played, I played the narrative when they were doing it back in the day when the press was pitting us against each other. And that was fine. But I never really, you know, I got my own issues to deal about, right? To, to deal with. And I'm not about to engage in that that other people have made up. But I, you know, I'll play along for fun. But in the end, it's just a coincidence, man. You know, sometimes, you know, I hear from some people sometimes that we took their record and I'm like, I've never said they've taken our record and I've never, I, it's impossible that that even happened. Right. And I can prove all of it. That's why I don't ever worry about it. But people do ask the question because there was, you know, a little, they played it up back in the day in the press and, you know, I, I can ask the question, but you know, 28 years later, who are you talking to? <laughs> that, well, that's, that's right. That's exactly what we've said before. Woot had no staying power whatsoever, whereas yeah. Whoop is in like the national culture and worldwide yeah, culture. I, I have a forever hit record, so I'm not going. I'm not going to, you know, be cry over spilled milk. Be bitter that I've been through what I've been through. What I've been through has made me who I am today, and I keep pushing. I move forward, man, and I have acquired the ability over my life to take any negative emotion, fear, envy, despair, suffering. Dang, I'm sounding like Yoda, right? <laughs> put it in my pocket, right? Just put it in my pocket. Don't react, put it in your pocket, but use it as fuel, right? 
use it as fuel moving forward. And then, you know, you don't, you don't react, you don't deal with it. It doesn't wear you down. You don't become old and bitter. You don't hold grudges. You don't burn bridges. You're always moving forward. You're always in a positive state. You're always getting opportunities and you're always winning. And that's what I choose to do because we all have a choice, right? You can, you can choose to deal with that stuff or you can choose to just keep moving forward. And I choose to play offense and I don't look back. And next thing you know, you know, things are hitting you in the head. You know, all these seeds have been planted in my life. All these little thing mechanisms that I use to just keep keep going. And now some of these seeds are coming to fruition and I've done so many, especially in the last year. Now I'm standing in a forest opportunity, right? And you don't know what that seed's gonna do when you plant it, but it can't be quid pro quo. It has to be, you plant the seed and you keep it moving. Okay. And all I, these come together. I have two, I have two quick questions that yes, are, they're, they're different. Number one, um, when you have one song that is as popular as Whoop There It Is, was and is, do you get tired? Did you ever get tired of performing it? That's question number one. And then totally unrelated, what makes a good voiceover artist? Because when you threw down that quick in a world or whatever just a second ago, that was awesome. So what, what makes a good voiceover artist is question number two. First question is, do I ever get sick of it? No, because actually every time I do it, I'm nervous. I'm nervous, I got butterflies and it's it's gut-wrenching, but I embrace that because the second I say party people, I get it back. <laughs> I get it back from the audience in the form of their hot mess breath, breathing on me, screaming hot party people along with me. And it's the, the greatest smell you could ever have. Just <laughs> the most energy that you could ever have pointed at you. Now, for me and voiceover, this goes back to when I was saying you take all those negative energy, all those negative things and you put them in your pocket. So if I have a voiceover where I have to talk, where I have to, you know, where the specs say conversational, I'm gonna talk to you like this and have be a conversation while I'm saying a voiceover, the new Taco Bell, right? But then if it's like, we want, you know, the, I did one yesterday where it was like, they wanted the over the top announcer, then I can be, what was that for? It was like, yeah, shell oil gas, I can do that. But then if they want a promo and I'm doing tags, then I'll be like this Wednesday on NBC. I, you, you have to, you can take all those emotions and you can apply them. And then you don't become a character, character. You become, you know, the character becomes you. And that's why it's so believable when you hear me talk because I'm not being a character. I'm not being the voiceover guy. I'm being me because my experiences and all my training, I'm me. And that's the hardest part of acting and voiceover is being yourself. So that is how I do that. And it's taken years to do that because it just depends on what the voiceover is for. You know, this animation, it's a different thing. If it's video games, it's acting and you have to, you know, have your breaths and all, you know, if you're, you know, you're, you're in war, you just, everything is different and you just have to be, gain mastery at everything you do. So, you know, you might be in a war zone and you're breathing and huffing, but then it's like, just take you to you when you just got off the treadmill and you just worked and you're just like, we gotta get there. Send the, send in the rockets. You know what I mean? You just, you're just, 
you're 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 putting yourself in a position that you were in with your experiences and all those cringe-worthy experiences. You know how you're just riding in your car and you just go ah because you thought of something that embarrassing that you did in your childhood or when you were a teenager or when you were oh you know what I mean? I write those down so I can always go back to them, and then I could put myself there. I, I place myself there, and then now I'm 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 real because what happened to me was real, and now the character is me. And that's the key. We Easier have, said than done, though. For sure. We have really gotten into uh, this commercial to the point that uh, we've been sort of diagramming it and breaking it down like we're uh, the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers diagramming some game film. And so mm-hmm. some of the listeners have brought up this very important question, which is how many takes were there with the sprinkles and was that problematic to have to clean up the sprinkles after every take? Was there someone who was there like a sprinkle crew? So here's 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 the deal, right? When I knew we were gonna do this, you know, I said like I said, I was happy for two days, but then I knew I had work to do. Because I'm an actor, I prepared, and I said I'm gonna bring five or six things to this. So when we have our meeting with the producers, and I'm gonna demand this is what we gotta do. It wasn't demand, but I was like, these are some ideas I have. When we had a production meeting, they were like, DC, whatever you want to do. I was like, cool. And when I was preparing, one of those ideas was I wanted to fabricate a spinning scoop. And I couldn't find anybody to fabricate that spinning scoop because I thought it'd be cool. And when we had a production meeting, I was like, yeah, I, I had an idea for a spinning scoop, but I couldn't find anybody to make it. And he was like, it'll be done tomorrow. What? Cool. I also know that kids love sprinkles. I don't know why, but they love sprinkles. And I said, I wanted to do like a salt bay type sprinkle off the elbow, but I had a long sleeve shirt on, so that didn't work, but we shot it. And then I wanted to do an ode to LeBron James when he goes to the scorer's table and throws up the chalk, sprinkles. And we did that. And we did uh, this little dance, the little dance that we do. That's a Atlanta thing called the Yeek ATL. So that represented the Southeast and everybody loved it because they knew exactly what we were doing. So all these nuances, I wouldn't make this commercial special because it was preparation as me as an actor going back through, you know, just putting in the work, understanding what viscerally affects people. You know, Nikki told me she used to be a hip hop dancer. So that was valuable because she knew every hip hop dance there was, but that was when she was young. Now she's older, but she still knows those dances. So that's why her part was so infectious, right? And there were no bunch of takes. It was just a bunch of fun all day. And we would throw sprinkles and it'd be sprinkles everywhere in my ear, in my beard, up my butt, everywhere. <laughs> and it would be like a NASCAR crew. They'd come in, bzz, 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 10 seconds is right back to where it was. Like 10 people come in, clean the whole thing up. And fun fact, it wasn't ice cream, it was cake frosting. That so was- they had two or three, two or three different sets already built so they could just bring them in, take them out, bring them in, take them out, bring them in, take them out. And we shot that thing, had ball, ball, ball the whole day. And that was it. And then we just waited. And when they showed it to me, I was trying to fall. I thought, you know, you're nervous because you're like, man, I hope they don't have us looking crazy. But I could not find fault. And the only thing I found fault on was that my finger was a millisecond offbeat pointing to the ice cream, which is fine. <laughs> we'll accept it. We'll accept that. We'll accept that. Yeah. All right, I've got two more questions and then I'm out because you've already given us more than half an hour and we appreciate your time. 
So mm-hmm. question number one is, have you been surprised, overwhelmed at all by the positive response and people who are just, it, the fact that it just makes people feel good? Like, what, how does that make you feel? And then I want to hold question number two, but that's question number one. It makes me feel good because it's a gift, right? I get a gift every day. You know, the fact that, you know, I could be looking at, I get a video that there's a baby playing with his blocks. Then that commercial comes on, that baby doesn't even know how to walk. And that baby fights tooth and nail to get upright, move to the TV while his booty's shaking the whole time. And I have no words for that. There's no explanation for that, right? You know, or when, you know, somebody, a whole, people watch the football game that commercial comes on and it just turns into a party. Like I have no words for that, you know? So it is one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen. And I just, I know it's my responsibility to just give to the world because I know I touch the world. So for me, it's about having these talks and these inspirational conversations and giving people my wisdom and my experiences and telling them about myself because if I could touch somebody to give them hope or make them happy like this Geico commercial did, then that's my mission. And I'm truly blessed for it. So I look at it that way. I look at it in reverse. I could look at it like, yeah, I'm a star now. You know, like, hey, baby, what's your name? Yeah, like uh-uh. I've never been like that. For me, I'm humble. I show humility and I'm grateful. And because I'm that, I've been blessed beyond all recognition and like I said, my mission is to talk to people and hope they listen and give them advice the way I wish somebody had did me when I was a young man, period. All right, last question. And I, I'll be interested in your answer to this because you don't seem to, and obviously it's the first time we've spoken, but you don't seem like somebody who looks in the rearview mirror a ton. But I'd, I'd be interested, what's your biggest regret? Because you're a pretty confident dude. So what, what do you look back on and go, I didn't do that right? Okay, so when it comes to regrets, the pandemic changed all that because I made my mind up that I, I am not going to leave this world regretting anything I wish I had done or I've done. And I'm going to take the time this year we got off and fix all that. So everything that, you know, and there's not too much I regret, but you look back on it, I said, you know, I'm not going to leave this earth wishing I had known music theory wishing, you know, I want to make songs again. Why didn't you do music production again? So I got tutors for all of it. And they're teaching me and preparing for every part of it. And I'm not going to leave this earth wishing or regretting that I did something when I could have taken care of it in a short amount of time because I've learned how to learn. So there's nothing I can't learn now. Our interviews, as always, presented by the Independent Insurance Agents of North Carolina. Texting while driving takes your eyes off the road for about five seconds. And at highway speeds, that's as if you were driving the length of a football field with your eyes closed. Trusted Choice Independent Insurance Agents of North Carolina wants you to stay safe behind the wheel. So put down your phone while driving and let's have a hands-free in C. To learn more, visit TrustedChoice.com and find an agent near you. So Adam... Let me adjust my computer screen so there's no 
wandering eyes there, sir. As I am going to enlist the help of Isaac for your five-second question okay. today. Adam, this is similar similar to the assist question that you asked me a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Carolina first started tracking rebounds in the year 1953-1954. Throughout the history of Carolina's basketball programs, eight different players have held the record for the most rebounds in a single season. Two of the eight actually set the record twice. Do you understand the question, Adam? Single season rebounds. Correct. Since 1953-54. Right. So some player set it till another amount of time when somebody else set it. Okay. Adam, how many of these Tar Heel players can you name in five seconds? Your challenge starts right now. Pete Brennan, Billy Cunningham, Sam Perkins, Sean May, Antoine Jameson. Time. Time, time, time. Adam, you did pretty well. You got five answers off, and four of them were correct. Hmm. So, the initial this is where these these questions are tricky. Is who's the first one? Right. The first one, and I do not. I've never heard this gentleman's name. Paul Likens had two hundred and twenty-eight rebounds in the 53-54 season. So that's the first year that the stat was kept. He was the team leader in rebounds that year, so he was the first one to set that number. Did someone before him have more than that? Perhaps, but the stat wasn't kept. The blind bomber would like a word with you. That stayed, Adam, until Lenny Rosenbluth set the record in consecutive years. Mm. So poor Paul Likens didn't have it very long because Lenny Rosenbluth pulled down 246 rebounds the very next year, 54-55, and then bested that the next season with 264 in 55-56. Well, Adam, that only stood for one year because then in 1957, and Adam, one of your correct answers, Pete Brennan. 332 rebounds in the championship season of 1957. So already four different marks by three different players in the first four years the stat was kept. That number stayed for a handful of seasons until, and we've said this before, anytime there's a rebound stat question, you can throw Billy Cunningham in the mix and you're probably going to get it right. And indeed, Billy Cunningham... With 339 rebounds in the 1962-63 season, set a new mark, which he then obliterated the next season with 40 more rebounds in the next year, where he pulled down 379 rebounds in the 63-64 campaign. Kind of sneakily, a former podcast. That's right, Billy Cunningham. I'm Bill Cunningham. See you later, Big Grits. Adam, that mark... Of 379 rebounds in 63-64, after a bunch of different players and marks were set, that stayed put for 34 
years. Wow. Which bypasses your yeah. answer of Sam Perkins, incorrect. Per- but Antoine Jameson was the next Tar Heel to set the mark. 1997-98 campaign, Antoine had 389 rebounds. That Billy Cunningham mark is crazy. That it stood for that long. Yes. With some, I mean, great players for the Tar Heels in the 70s and 80s. A lot of whom were playing significantly more games. Yes, and most of which were staying three or four years. Right. Still at that point in time. So, Antoine Jameson breaks it in 98. That stays until the championship year of 2005, when Adam, your final correct answer of your guesses, Sean May... Set the next mark, now assistant coach for the Tar Heels, with 397 rebounds in the championship season of 04-05. That mark didn't hold long either. Little gentleman named Tyler Hansbro came around at him, and in the 07-08 season, the year that Tyler was the national player of the year, had 399 rebounds. 399. Yet, Adam... That is not the record. Do you know who holds the record now that you're thinking about it? Bryce Johnson. Bryce Johnson with 416 rebounds in the 2015-16 year. That's the year Carolina finished as the national runner-up. He is the only player in Carolina history to break 400 rebounds in a single season. Bryce Johnson was incredible that year. He was one of the best single seasons in and there's a bunch, but I mean, certainly in in the Roy Williams era, one of the best single seasons by a Tar Heel, I think. Don't you? Yes. And and if you don't remember, go back and look at the numbers. I mean, his, his numbers scoring and rebounding were absurd. So as always, Isaac, thank you for the help. Good question. And Adam, I think you did pretty well. I feel like I did all right. I, as soon as you said rebounding, I knew I was going to say Billy Cunningham, no matter what else it was. Sure. Of course. Okay, Adam, why don't we uh, get to a little dueling list action? Oh, you don't want to have a champion's watch. Oh, of course I want to have a champion's watch. It's brought to you by UNC Health, where they are dedicated to caring for champions of all kinds and to help keep you in the game and at your very best. See their lineup at unchealthcare.org slash sports. Adam, have to admit, we gave away a lot of the upcoming Olympic sport action a few minutes ago, but what you got? Yeah, you mentioned it. I think it's got to be field hockey because they're going for a national championship this weekend, starting today, as you said, against Iowa at 1 o'clock. If they are so fortunate as to beat the Hawkeyes and they ask them to stay around, then they'll play in the championship Sunday night, Mother's Day evening, Mm. 7 o'clock on ESPNU. So, gosh, busy weekend coming up. So, hopefully... We'll get a chance to watch the Tar Heels Sunday evening as they go for a championship. Got to get by Iowa first, though. Can't overlook the Hawkeyes. Again, that is 1 o'clock today, Friday. Okay, Adam, how about a little dueling list? Now I'm in favor of that. Yeah. What's on the top of Jones's and Adam's list? Brought to you by Top of the Hill, where Tar Heels come to celebrate. the gentleman i am i'll let you go first okay how about a tweet from frankie vickers who said he liked our idea about if the college football playoff expands to eight having the first round at campus sites 
He also said, what about moving the championship to Saturday night instead of Monday night? All in favor of that. The problem is going to be television. Sure. Television would rather have it on Monday, which means it's probably going to be on Monday. But it does stink that I can't really think of a time my kids have been able to stay up and watch the end of the college football championship. And those are because it often doesn't start till eight or nine. And I mean, these games are long. We know college football has a length of game problem. And when you mix in all the commercials and I mean, it is a long event. So I personally would like it better on Saturday night. I'm not sure we're going to get there. Adam, as you know, if you're a longtime listener of the pod or if you're a Rams Club member, this is normally the time of year where we're doing the Tariel Tour and could not do it at all last spring. Of course, right in the height of the uncertainty of COVID at this point in time last year and still not able this year to do it the way we want to do it. Um, but we had a couple of virtual Tar Heel Tour events earlier this week where we had big Zoom calls and had a couple hundred people on both calls. Uh, one day, uh, the guests, Bubba Cunningham, Courtney Banghart, and Mac Brown. The next day, it was Rick Steinbacher, Jenny Levy, and Hubert Davis. And just good stuff. Uh, good stuff from all the coaches. We appreciate if you were one of those folks who joined us. Thanks so much for uh, hopping on and listening in. And, you know, they were about 60 minutes each, so a little, you know, not the event that we, of course, would ultimately like to have, which is where we're coming to your, coming to your city, and we're, uh, you know, having lunch or dinner, a cocktail hour, and hanging out and have a program and prizes and all the stuff. And but um, under the circumstances, uh, good stuff. And and the coaches were great as they always are, and uh, was really uh, fun to talk to both of uh, to both groups of people. Um, one interesting nugget I learned during these uh, virtual Tario tours, Adam, is that Courtney Banghart and Jenny Levy are kind of bros. Like, they are really good friends. And I think talk both from the coaches' side of things and talk about how to be successful and run uh, highly successful programs, but also I think are just good friends. And so um, that was kind of cool to see and uh, really enjoyed talking with, with all those folks. I could see that friendship. Courtney Banghart says that people have asked her if she is Jenny Levy, Levy before. I guess they kind of look alike, I guess, maybe, in that they're both females. <laughs> who coach a sport. Who coach a sport and have blondish hair, I guess. If you're thinking, man, I'd like to be on those calls, but I probably couldn't join the Rams Club at a high enough level to qualify. Oh, no. Every single Rams Club member could be part of those calls. So go to ramsclub.com, learn more about how to join. really does make a big difference. And if you are a Rams Club member – you should get at those were recorded and should be available for on-demand viewing. If you're interested in, in going and watching them. Um, I can't tell you exactly how, I don't know if you'll get reached out to with a link or if you just go to ramsclub.com. But if, if you're interested in that, you should have that availability um, in the near future. If, if not already. Jones mentioned the upcoming roadhouse challenge roadhouse. There was a motion made by jjb parker four right possibly and not the real name look when jjb parker four speaks we listen thought that the four movies that were on the most recent poll those should be the next four roadhouse challenges this motion was seconded by king jones i gotta tell you i'm okay with that i i mean i want to do all of these movies point break was the winner pretty a pretty significant win for point break 
But I'm totally down with doing Tremors, Bloodsport, and Flight of the Navigator. The idea was that the voting would determine the order in which they're done. I don't even really remember what finished second, but I, I think it might have been Bloodsport. I think it was Tremors. I think okay. Tremors was second, Bloodsport third, and Flight of the Navigator was fourth. Okay. I'd be totally down with I'd that. I'd be fine with that. Yeah. Adam, another thing I learned via the Tar Heel Tour is we need to give a what up. Sally Brown, <laughs> Mac Brown's wife. You know why, Adam? Big pod listener. She one-upped me and had her first ever hole-in-one on the golf course. Sally uh, was playing Finley and got a hole-in-one on number five, well, part three. So she was probably just inspired by me putting it so close on the 18th of that charity event. I don't know if you heard about it. And she decided just to go ahead and knock it in. Did she win a car? I think I think this was just, I mean, look, let's be honest. The stakes weren't as high. She was just out enjoying a round of golf. So if you think that's impressive, okay. Were two retired number basketball players watching her? Was it 179-ish yards over water? I mean, I can't. I can't imagine it was. I Look, I know number five at Finley, sir. Number five at Finley is not 179 yards over water. I know that for a fact. So, congratulations to Sally. Of course, I i mean, but you, did you see how close mine was? That was really close. Speaking of which, Michael Gaskins sent us an email. Yeah. Which, <laughs> someone has listed the picture of Jones's shot and the distance from the cup. On eBay. Is it a hot item? The minimum bid is 99 cents. I enjoyed the description of this item. This here is an amazing golf shot. <laughs> we will reveal the golfer once purchase has been made. You will not regret owning this piece of fine art. How close you may ask? Well, maybe the winner can ask the golfer. Who knows? Great day to be a Tar Heel. If you're looking to place a bid on this item, it's listed under the header "Amazing Golf Shot." It, are we are we still at ninety nine cents? I'm guessing uh, that is the starting bid. There's still five days left in the auction. <laughs> Plenty of time. Most of your auction this, bids come in late. Is this how an NFT works? I put it on. I put a picture of it on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> this here is an amazing <laughs> golf shot. <laughs> Woo, that's incredible. Uh, Adam, I got a new refrigerator. Hmm. And let me tell you, I feel like I'm from the future now. <laughs> I didn't realize how much I was missing in my old refrigerator. Hmm. This refrigerator has French doors. <laughs> I basically am like royalty when I'm, when I'm opening these French doors. <laughs> it has a water dispenser. On the inside of the fridge, this was something I actually really enjoyed. Because, you know, normally the water dispensers are on the door, right? Sure. But that takes up storage space, Adam, mm. on the inside. So when you open it, like on the side wall, there's this little thing where the water is. Boom, you get your water. No space taken up. Hmm. Yeah. 
I've, functioning ice maker, which our old one has not had for probably four years. When I first think about a water dispenser on the inside, I feel like I wouldn't like it. But then when you describe it, I wonder if maybe I would. You absolutely would. All it is is opening the door. It's the same. It's the same thing. I think I would enjoy it more if I had French doors on my fridge. Right. Because then opening the door is like taking a trip to Paris. It's like a vacation from life. Right. You're, op- you're opening this gorgeous door. Double freezer, NBD. What, what do you mean double freezer? There's two layers of freezer. But I've, they both do the same thing. Well, yeah, but I've got like my classy middle size freezer for whatever you want to put in there. Maybe your ice creams and frozen treats. And then you've got the bottom freezer, which is for the much more like, the, okay, I'm going to store these meats here for a little bit. And they're, they're just going to be hanging out here for a while. So the middle freezer is for things that I may more frequently go for. Yeah, you've got a short-term freezer and a right. long-term freezer. That's right. It's like you've got the far away freezer right there in the real freezer. Yeah. Because like a lot of times you put things in the far away freezer and you're like, ah, I don't really know when I'm going to need this. And right. you forget it's there. Right. Well, now it's right there underneath the French doors. Yep. So if I appear to be a little classier, Adam, it's because I am. <laughs> uh, also in the email inbox, Dusty Tompkins, some bad news for us. What? What? Dusty regrets to inform you that your laser first downs project is likely DOA. I saw that. Actually, now that you mentioned it, I saw this email. The NFL partners with a firm called Zebra Sports to generate <laughs> okay. all sorts of next-gen stats about how fast players run, how efficient their runs are, the velocity of the football. Well, when Johnny Utah throws it, it's high. And referee placement on the field when making a call. Hmm. They achieve this through radio frequency tags and shoulder pads and most importantly, in the football, the end zone pylons, and in first down markers. The vice president of Zebra spoke to Rich Eisen yesterday and strongly suggested they're ready to use their technology to spot footballs, determine first downs, and touchdowns. Very interesting and exciting if we're right around the corner from getting away from reviews and measuring, particularly if this trickles down to NCAA, where games are basically four hours. Yeah, okay, Zebra Sports, I see that perhaps you have developed this technology that is really only in my mind. That's our intellectual property, thank you. Yeah, but you are violating some trademarks. I foresee that this will probably be very popular in the NFL, but in college football, is everyone going to be able to afford that? Yeah, it's going to be much harder. Much cheaper to afford just a laser that you shoot across the field. Yeah. Yeah, just have a... a, I mean, we could... Even if, if you're having trouble with the ones that go in the first down markers, just have a dude there with a laser pointer. Jerry McGee basically told us this was a great idea. Yeah. Brian Kersey was not as big a fan of it, but then his officials went out and had a rough game. Yeah. Then some then real then real life happened. Yeah. So first down lasers coming to a gridiron near you. Uh Adam, I know you're excited about this. I'm on Cameo now. Mm. If you don't know what Cameo is, do you know what Cameo is? Adam? I do. So you can go on Cameo and you can find people, actors, sports folks. Like Tom Cruise. Right. The president. Right. Jones. Yeah. And you can get personalized messages from those people. So like, hey, you know, Mother's Day this weekend. Mm. Maybe 
Maybe, Adam. Your mom's a big Tariel fan, and you want me to wish her a happy Mother's Day. Maybe that can be part of your Mother's Day gift. Mm. You can find me right there. I haven't even done one. I just set it up, so I haven't, I haven't even done one yet. You could be the first one that I do. Cameo, that's C-A-M-E-O, dot com slash, and then I'm just Jones Angel. You can just go right there. Cameo.com slash Jones Angel. Boom, there I am. I hope you won't take it quite as seriously as, dare I say, Jonathan Lipnicki. Yeah. Because I don't know if we've ever talked about this. We tried to get Jonathan Lipnicki on Cameo to say, see you later, Big Grits. Yeah. And he turned it down. Yeah, it got shut down like immediately. Yeah, within minutes. Yeah. And I had written a very heartfelt message explaining the importance of See You Later Big Grits to Americans worldwide. And he said no. Yeah. What would have to happen for you to say no? It would have to be, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll do most anything. I mean, it would have to be, <laughs> it, it would have to be, uh, you know, something that I was uncomfortable with. It would have to be something, you know. On the Bodie side of life, not on the Johnny Utah side of life. I mean, that new freezer's got to pay for itself somehow. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Look, that double freezer, in just it doesn't come for free. Maybe you didn't hear. It's got French doors. Yeah. So check it out. Again, cameo.com slash Jones Angel. It does co- it's, I, I'm super, my price is low. I mean, seriously, my price is low. <laughs> Let's go. You, me, personalized message. Think about your mom. Think how happy your mom would be on Mother's Day. She'd probably be like, who is this? Why'd you give this to me? <laughs> I feel like, but what about graduation? Graduation's coming. I, I'm an experienced graduation speaker. So, I mean, that's right in my wheelhouse. Birthdays, let's go. Would you be willing to put on the seersucker jacket while doing the cameo message? If that was requested. Mm. Um, I mean, what else? I mean, uh, just I could give what ups. We could do... Maybe you and your buddies are going to go have a golf tournament. You want me to say something to them? It doesn't matter. Maybe like an inspirational speech. Absolutely. Cameo.com slash Jones Angel. Two L's on the end of Angel. Don't forget. Maybe one day I'll get to do Cameo.com slash Steve. (laughs) Nope. Slash Jones Angel. Cameo.com slash Jones Angel. What's that website? Cameo.com slash Jones Angel. (laughs) Do you get like an alert on your phone when somebody- Oh, yeah. I, that's why I'm so in, I'm so eager for someone to, but I haven't like I haven't told anyone or advertised <laughs> it in any way. So I mean, the chances that a lot of people are going to want it's obviously low anyway. But the fact that I haven't told anyone, but I was like, come on, come on, cameo, <laughs> give me a little message. Let me just make sure this is still on. Yeah, gonna hit refresh. <laughs> just make sure the app is starting to tell me it's like, do you need help finding more re- <laughs> finding more bookings? And I'm like, shut up, cameo app. <laughs> We're getting there. You just keep that to yourself. Yeah. Kyle Louder, possibly a future Cameo customer, yeah, says, Hey guys, like many folks over the past year, I have taken up cycling as a way to get out of the house. Mm. Living in South Charlotte, I often ride down to Union County, and I have to say, that area has gone all in on traffic circles. Mm. Pretty sure it's now their county seal with the motto, Building for the Future, in a roundabout way. Ah. Their old (laughs) slogan... Make a freaking bounce pass. (laughs) (laughs) On back-to-back days last fall, I had to detour due to intersection closures for traffic circle installation. I just want to let Adam know that when cycling through a roundabout, 
I couldn't feel more like I'm in the Tour de France than if I had a fridge stocked with pints of blood in the garage and a full regimen of EPO in my medicine cabinet. Do does uh, that fridge have French doors? <laughs> Below is the DOT info on one of them. $1.9 million, and this project ended up one to two months late, so who knows what it ended up costing. Thinking Traffic Circle NFTs are the next big thing. TM. Good. Uh, that was a wise move throwing that TM on there. Kyle, you're a savvy businessman. This here is an amazing <laughs> traffic circle. <laughs> Adam, how much do you have left on your uh, list? That's it for now. Okay. I've got one more. So I went to the eye doctor uh, earlier this week. Adam, mm. And first of all, it'd been a while. Like I take care. Look, I take care of my eyes. I've had LASIK and I love it. This was several years ago that I had LASIK. I, I, 2015 in each eye, Adam. No big deal. <laughs> Don't you worry about it. Um, but so. This is cameo.com slash James yeah. Angel, and I can see yeah. that you're a fine Tario fan. <laughs> so, first of all, they dilated my pupils, which, mm. I mean, I, I actually texted Adam because he and I were talking about something that we were doing later. And I was texting, and like in real time, I, after they put the drops in, I felt my pupils dilate, and I couldn't see. Like the text, I ended up going from like properly texting Adam with a couple of misspellings because I know too many words to not being able to see at all. Like it was just big, one big mess. You didn't do the little machine that you can do instead of the dilating? What? There's a even, machine. I didn't even know that existed. You have to look at the little house. It's like a house on a prairie. Mm. And somehow that's the same as dilating the eyes. Does Laura Ingalls Wilder live there? Yes. Um, it could be that they just make this up because I complain a lot about getting my eyes dilated. I hate getting the eyes dilated. Hate it. And so anyway, everything checked out fine. But a couple things. The eye doctor, he was like, how's your up-close vision? I was like, oh, it's still great. And he was like, well, that's going to go away. And it was, he was like, it's just, you're going to wake up one day and you're not going to be able to see up close. It's like, I'm just telling you, it happened to me at 43. No big deal. Just be prepared for it. So I've got that to look forward to. Right. And then, Adam, this is the point I really wanted to bring up. So when I was going through my little checkup with the nurse before the doctor gets there, she was asking me questions and she goes, have you had any falls lately? I was like, had any falls? <laughs> I was like, no, not that I'm aware of. So I thought this was an odd question, right? So then she puts the drops in and she leaves. And I'm kind of sitting there. This is before my vision went wonky. And I'm just kind of glancing at the screen. And Adam, on my chart on the screen, it's got these big, like, asterisks, little stars. And in all caps, it says, FALL RISK. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? What? <laughs> Why would I be a fall risk? <laughs> Why do you think it's I have no idea. Did you ask the doctor? No, I didn't know what to do. Why? I'd like to know why I'm a fall risk. Why would I be a fall risk? Do you think it's because they're so convinced that my up-close vision is going to go away like immediately that I might just be walking and it's going to go away in mid-step and I'm going to fall down? Is it somehow related to the LASIK? I don't know. Does that make you a fall risk? I don't know. So, everybody just, if you ever see me out, 
Please just be careful around me. I could fall at any time. <laughs> Make sure you're alert. Yeah. Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for the shout out here on Cameo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, fell down. <laughs> All right. Well, look, we were gonna do a story time, but I, I think I think we can hold it. Let's hold it. Wow. Yeah. Midstream change. Well, we just you know. Tag team interview is a little longer. Yeah, that's true. So I think, yeah, let's hold the story time. Okay. Let's hold it for next time. It's a good one. Um, let's hold on to it, and we'll get to it in, in a upcoming show. Okay. Okay. So with no story time. I, I don't, don't want to upset you and have you fall down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did Jones faint again? Oh, no, he just, he falls a lot. He's a fall <laughs> risk. <laughs> Adam, anything else? No. Okay. We're back next week. Just uh, keep an eye out. <laughs> I think we're going to have two shows. That's the plan, two audio shows, but we just we just got to make sure that that's going to happen. That's the plan. We've just got to confirm. Uh, but for now, we're going to let Jamie Ortega, DC Glenn from Tag Team, and the RZA get us out of here on the latest edition of the Carolina Insider. I'm Jamie Ortega. See you later, Big Grits. This is DC, the brain supreme of tag team, giving a big holler to my main man, Big Grits. Scoop, there it is. Sprinkle. When I was small, we had nothing at all. We used to eat grits. box of sugar in a stick of margin a hot pot of grits kept my family from starving steamy hot meals served less than five minutes big silver pot boiling water salt in it house full of brothers and sisters the pot's missing pilgrim on a box on the stove in the kitchen when i was small we had nothing at all we used to eat See you later, Big Grit. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Tar Heel Sports Network, brought to you by Crumley Roberts. Visit CrumleyRoberts.com today to find out how they can stand up for you. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.